Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 11 DraftKings picks and preview. If you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, boy, do I have a deal for you. If you hit the podcast description or video description, you will find the link to the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Open. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, $45,000 of guaranteed money. And the best part, a min cash, double your money. It legit is the best tournament on DraftKings. Everyone should go play in that right now. Get in before it fills up because it tends to fill up rather quickly. And if you want to get to a draw for 20 DK dollars, again, very easy to do so. Smash the like button for this episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me your favorite running back below $5,000 on the main slate whose name isn't Brian Hill. I'm very curious to see where after we have the chalky Brian Hill, where does everyone else go uh, in the $4,000 range if they're going to pay down? Do you pay down? Do you pivot on to someone else? Do you eat the chalk? I'm curious to see what everyone out there is going to do. The other way to get into the draw is subscribe and download the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast. Then rate it five stars, DraftKings handle, and something you like about the show, something positive. I want to read some positive comments, okay? And then you'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. I'll be live on Sunday morning going over all of the injuries and all of the new start sits, taking your viewer questions, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. And then again, live 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel on Monday when I announce these winners and recap the week. Joining me now to break down every game on the 11-game main slate for week 11 from FantasyGuru.com, from EliteFantasy.com. I got him because we have the same haircut. It is. Vlad Settler. What's going on, my man? Hey, what's going on, Patrick? Always uh, always a pleasure to be on with you. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, uh, tell everyone how you're doing in these high-stakes fantasy leagues. I'm always, as I do not play in any season-long high-stakes leagues because, you know, I don't feel like it, to tell you the truth. But you're exceptionally good at them, so tell everyone what you've been doing so far this year. Well, you know, as it is, as it always is the case, and uh, it really just depends on the season. Like, you know, last year drafted Le'Veon Bell and Leonard Fournette in the first round, so I <laughs> kind of got what I deserved. This year, uh, hit on Dalvin Cook, who was my main target in all three of my uh, my primetime drafts uh, over on, on in, in the high-stakes format in the first round. Got all the Lamar Jackson that I can handle uh, pretty much in the 10th round, wherever I could. And then a little special of the New England Patriots, for the most part, in the 18th, 19th round, simply because their week two through nine schedule was too good to be true and it ended up being better than uh, good to be true. All right. Well, let's hopefully you can have the same success of picks for week 11 on the DraftKings slate as we go over the first look at this. And we'll start at running back. It's just Christian McCaffrey. He is the number one running back in fantasy. He's the number one priced running back on this slate. Again, this week, he is $11,500. He actually probably has a better matchup in week 11 against Atlanta. But is it a week where you pay up for McCaffrey? Because that seems to continuously work every single week. Uh, Even in the Pat Mayo Experience Open last week, the winner didn't have Christian McCaffrey, but the guy in second had Christian McCaffrey. And because of Brian Hill this week opening up the bottom at running back, you can get him in and still like your lineup a lot. Would you pay for Christian McCaffrey on DraftKings? It's a tough call. I mean, I think you need to consider him. He's in the conversation. He's near the top of the conversation every single week. 
Uh, the price is up there at 10,500. We're talking, you know, levels that, you know, Gurley from a couple of years ago, uh, the Le'Veon Bells of three years ago. Um, and that's because he's averaging uh, 30 plus DraftKings points per game. You take away those two games from Tampa Bay, of course, you don't take them away, but were you to do so, I mean, he's his his numbers are of epic proportion. He's scoring touchdowns every day. He's approaching that Ladanian Tomlinson type uh, fantasy season where you might see um, near 500 total fantasy points. Uh, and games game flow should work well for him. The thing is, there are a couple of gentlemen just a tick below him, um, actually quite a tick below him in the 8,900, 9,000 range, who I think might be more tempting. And so um, I personally... I'm going to be, um, you know, uh, kind of biting my tongue and jumping down to, uh, to the next level down of running backs. All right. So the next level down is Elliott and Delvin Cook at 9 and 8,900. After that, it's Fournette, Camara, Le'Veon Bell, Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, Latavius Murray, Tevin Coleman, and Devin Singletary. That is your $6,000 to $9,000 range. And you kind of alluded to that next level down. Although Tevin Coleman at home against Arizona, if there is no Matt Breda, which it is shaping up to be that way right now, kind of tempting. I'm not going to lie to you, especially because he burned so many people in the showdown slate two weeks ago at Arizona that people might not want to go back to him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, recency bias always needs to be thrown out the window. Uh, Breda is not uh, looking good, not looking healthy. Even if he plays, I would imagine that uh, – number of snaps or carries um, that he sees in week 11 is going to be minimal. Uh, might mean a little bit of Raheem Mostert coming in and, and doing a little change of pace, but Tevin Coleman is in a smash matchup. Um, I think it's a fantastic price. You're going to see his ownership start to tick up as we get closer to the weekend. Uh, a matchup with Arizona is always beautiful. And with that game being a 13 point spread uh, in favor of, uh, of San Francisco, um, ap- absolutely excellent game flow. Um, have to love Tevin Coleman at the uh, very, very affordable price. So between Coleman and then all the way up to Zeke, who was at Detroit at the $9,000 level, I'm going to guess you like Delvin Cook. Yeah, I mean, this man, uh, I think outside of just a couple of games, um, has at least one touchdown in every game. And, and you know, and, and obviously I have to separate the uh, the personal, um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's averaging just on the ground 99 yards uh, a game. He's an absolute beast, and this matchup is fantastic for him. Um, you know, game flow should work very well here as well uh, against the Broncos with Minnesota back at home, uh, favored, coming off that game with Dallas. Um, it's just a, it's a fantastic spot for him. Um, you know, I, I'm very, very high on Dalvin Cook this week at home. Uh, what do we do with the Saints running backs? They're going to be favored on the road. However, Tampa Bay, the best run defense in the league. Is that something that you can look at Elvin Kamara and say, well, he didn't quite perform up to regular Kamara levels last week. Maybe people will get off of him because of both that and they see this matchup. But this is a spot where, again, he can just pile up like double digit catches through the air and beat them that way. The price is really nice. That's the thing. I mean, 7,400, it's a very uh, Unkamara-esque price tag. And that's, of course, because he did miss week seven through nine there. Um, but I'm always careful with uh, playing any running backs against Tampa. We saw it again last week. Um, and the fact that Latavius Murray did have that incredible stretch, he was essentially the number two running back in fantasy for the three-week stretch that uh, Kamara was gone. He's going to soak up some of the carries. He's going to be potentially a... Uh, uh, a goal line hog. He could uh, potentially siphon a couple of touchdowns there uh, if they do get uh, to the goal line. And uh, really the way to beat 
you know, to, to really for, for Breeze to move the ball is going to be to pass it. Uh, Kamara is going to be involved in that. He's going to probably catch five to seven balls. Um, I just don't know if uh, the upside is there with Latavius Murray still in the mix and, and probably mixing in around 30, 40% of snaps. Let's take a quick break because I need to tell you, in case you didn't know, the Showtime sports documentary film Pariah, The Lives and Deaths of Sonny Liston, chronicles the tragic life and suspicious death of perhaps the most vilified and misunderstood boxer of all time, Sonny Liston. Tune in Friday, November 15th at 9 p.m. on Showtime. Back to the show. So the other guys are going to come up into the situation. Fournette, who's slightly more expensive than Kamara. I have a feeling that Josh Jacobs at home against Cincinnati as 10-point favorites. Going to be a pretty popular play. I'm not going to lie to you, Vlad. So if we're constructing our teams here, and we're talking tournaments here. We're not talking cash games. Cash games, you can go somewhere else, get some cash game advice. Losing picks for tournaments, what you get on the Pat Mayo experience. So... Would you be good with fading Jacobs, or do you think that he's a must? Because obviously you can't just take everyone from the very top of the pricing. And if you take McCaffrey, it's going to be very difficult to jam one of these guys in whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, this week it really comes down to roster construction, what you're planning to do at quarterback and receiver. I mean, there are a ton of fantastic quarterback options receiver is just, you know, foaming at the mouth of options. And that's the case with running back as well. Uh, Josh Jacobs is uh, a little bit on the higher end of the spectrum of what we've seen for his price points, um, but he's having a fantastic rookie year. Um, he settled in there at a very nice 6,900, uh, averaging 90 yards on the ground himself, um, is the red zone guy unequivocally, and the matchup is fantastic. I mean, Cincinnati, there's there's no team allowing more rushing yards per game than the Bengals. In fact, they're allowing 25 more yards uh, on the ground than the next worst team. Uh, you're going to see some chalk probably on Derek Hart, the quarterback, but I really feel that it's a Josh Jacobs game. So it really comes down to uh, to lineup construction because there are a couple of guys, and even one in Devin Singletary, who we haven't mentioned, who is also in a fantastic spot. I worry about Devin Singletary, and I kind of keep bringing this up every single week, that it's tough to get to him solely because he is at such high risk, maybe more than any other running back in football, of getting his touchdowns vultured at the goal line. Mm -hmm. Not only by Frank Gore, who continues to get run inside the red zone, but Josh Allen has the most rushing touchdowns on this team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's always the case. Uh, you know, Devin Singletary uh, has looked fantastic his rookie year. Um, just, you know, couple weeks ago, we saw what he's capable uh, of with a full workload, had 20 carries, ran for almost 100 yards, um, got in the end zone and caught a few balls for 45 yards as well. Uh, last game was not so pretty against Cleveland, and that's with a little bit of a higher ownership. Uh, you're right, Gore and Josh Allen always do uh, pose a bit of a threat, but this just feels like a, like a great spot for him that is a very high-pressure spot uh, for him to really get some work, uh, see 15 carries or so, um, and maybe take a couple in from midfield. Um, I, I think that's really possible where he doesn't even have to get the goal line carries. I think this defense of Miami is so porous uh, that it allows an opportunity for uh, Big Devin to get in the box uh, from, from middle of the field a couple well, that's actually a really good point that if he's going to score his touchdowns, he's going to score them from deep. So if you do take him, you get that upside baked in, but there's relatively no floor. Like I know a lot of people, I just said, we're not talking about cash games, but as a cash game running back, that would worry me the most about him is that he could go out and score four points for you and yeah. have really no recourse. But the upside is so high and coming off a week where he did let a lot of people down at inflated ownership. This might be a really nice spot to go back to him. If we just go below the $6,000 range, 
huge. We'll have a whole segment here on Brian Hill in just a moment. But I really like Joe Mixon, especially if Gio Bernard in this knee sprain isn't able to go at Oakland. They just showed a willingness to run the ball with Mixon 30 times despite being down 30 points in that game against Baltimore. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer in Oakland, but if he is the only guy in that Cincinnati backfield, just through attrition alone, he should be able to muster himself to 20 points just on volume. All of a sudden he sneaks into the end zone and you're having a good week with Joe Mixon. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is a guy that was, is essentially the biggest bust of, you know, the early rounds of, of season long leagues and really, it's not his fault. I mean, he's a he's a very talented guy, fantastic runner. Um, he's just running behind the worst offensive line in football. And uh, just the team is just an absolute train wreck. But we see what happens when he does get a lot of work. Um, obviously, we saw 30 carries last week against Baltimore. Um, wasn't necessarily all that efficient, under four yards to carry, but did get over 100. Um, and all of this, he ended up dropping drop, uh, 20 DraftKings points without even getting into the end zone. So... Uh, you know, Oakland does have somewhat of a stout run defense. That doesn't really matter here. I mean, you know, especially with no Joe Bernard, if he does end up not playing, you're going to just see a lot of short passes to Mixon, a lot of short passes to Tyler Boyd, get some Otto Tate in the mix. Um, so, you know, if, if you think Cincinnati keeps it any any somewhat close or keeps this game respectable, then you have to consider Joe Mixon. Uh, Brian Hill is $4,800. So between Mixon and Hill, is there any running back that you think you would consider into your player pool mix? Because for me, whether it's Kenyon Drake or Ronald Jones or Philip Lindsay, I just think the cheaper options are probably a bit better. Yeah, I mean, the one guy that sticks out to me is uh, Kenyon Drake, and it's not an ideal matchup. Obviously, San Francisco has the best run defense in the game, but Kenyon Drake, as we saw, is going to be utilized uh, a lot as a pass catcher. He fits this offense well of, of, of Cliff Kingsbury's um, fantastically. And we saw what's up with David Johnson. I mean, the guy does not look healthy. He does not look uh, like he's going to get many carries this week. And with Chase Edmonds not coming back, I've seen a lot of work for Kenyon Drake, um, sort of a five percent oh you know super sneaky gpp uh, pivot off some of the guys in this range so let's talk about this now then so the big pickup on the waiver wire of the week is what well, was brian hill unless your waivers haven't passed yet but still brian hill and the upper four thousand dollar area as you alluded to at the very beginning of the show is going to be the mega chalk of the week at Carolina. But here's the problem. Brian Hill, is he good? Is he bad? Who knows? But running backs in the Atlanta offense so far this season really haven't done much. It is an ideal matchup on the ground against Carolina as they're much more susceptible to being gashed by the run than they are through the air, especially if Bradbury returns this week. But it's a game flow that looks like it's going to be a lot of passing for Atlanta, like most of their games, unless anyone is buying what they did a week ago as something that's sustainable. I don't really believe that. Just seems sort of like a peak Super Bowl-esque game for them not them in the Super Bowl but their Super Bowl for this season come out beat a division rival in the Saints maybe they can pay it forward and keep this momentum going I don't think that's going to happen so Brian Hill to me is not a safe play like Jalen Samuels was two weeks ago I think he falls more into that Ty Johnson bucket from three weeks ago when everyone was super pumped up about him and I think that there is a breaking point for his ownership I don't think that he is a free square I don't think that you have to have him in your lineups and if he's going to be like 25% owned, potentially even more, I think he's a full fade. Then you can start looking to some of these other options who are basically equivalent, maybe not in the full smash spot that it appears to be, but Jordan Howard against the Patriots at $4,700, I think is in a really nice spot. 
Carlos Hyde can steal some touchdowns. J.D. McKissick would have been this guy if Brian Hill hadn't emerged because of this Freeman injury, because of this Ty Johnson injury. You might see like 65%, 75% run from McKissick this week at $4,600. And I bet you he catches more passes than Brian Hill does. Oh, for sure he's going to catch more passes. Um, I'm personally uh, am in the same boat with you. I am a little concerned. I think people might be a little bit uh, enamored with the fact that Carolina is the dead last team in in the game uh, against the run, uh, ranked 32nd in DVOA, run defense, and also give up a boatload more touchdowns than any other team on the ground, 17 uh, to be exact. Um, I myself actually dropped Brian Hill on my two primetime teams uh, <laughs> last week. So I, man, uh, that one's killing me. I could really actually use him this week. So, um, uh, but that's not a reason that I don't think he, uh, he doesn't do well. I just, you know, I, I think it's a good game flow scenario for Carolina where they're going to run the ball down the throats with uh, McCaffrey, um, you know, a lot of passes. Um, I, I like the Carolina side of the ball. And so game script wise, I don't necessarily know if he's going to get a lot, a lot of carries. I think you're going to see Matt Ryan um, chasing from behind. And I don't know if that involves a lot of passes to, uh, to Brian Hill. Sure. He might catch three or four. Um, but as you alluded to, I think there are guys in this range like a JD McKissick, who I think um, will catch more passes and probably offer more value on a full PPR side. Yeah, despite the terrible run defense of the Carolina Panthers per DVOA, the Falcons are only 25th in rushing offense. And then you're going to need Brian Hill to stay in the game if they are behind and catch a lot of these passes. And he caught a few last week, but this could be a situation where they now know that they don't have Devonta Freeman, that all of a sudden Kenyon Burner is the pass catching back. And all of a sudden you're sitting there being like, why isn't Brian Hill on the field? I have him in every lineup. This isn't good. Yeah, this is your warning, my friends. So who would be the guy? Is it McKissick below? Because, I mean, you could go down to, I mean, I don't want to use Kalen Balazs, but he's going to get like 25 touches against the Bills, who are also not great against the run. But he's also not good, so don't use him. But you could even keep going down. Like, if Will Fuller is out again, and you get into a situation where Kiki is still on the mend, and he's not back in the good graces of Bill O'Brien, like, Duke Johnson's a pretty good price in a what could be a pass-happy script for the Texans. Yeah, Duke Johnson. I mean, to be honest, I don't think people have to go under the 5,000 range. Uh, I think because there are so many good options uh, this week, I think Coleman is is priced cheap enough. Um, you know, Duke Johnson, as you mentioned, um, you know, it, even Devin Singletary. Uh, I, I don't think there's a reason to have to force it. And, and we didn't even mention, you know, the savings that you could have on McCaffrey down to uh, Zeke Elliott uh, with the Lions basically being a, a, an absolute craft show against um, opposing running backs. And Zeke has yet to have that true game. Um, you know, he has not topped 30 fantasy points this year. This feels like one of those spots, especially with game flow. I think we could see, you know, two or three touchdowns out of him today. Um, get a little bit savings on McCaffrey and not force yourself to have to go under that. Um, I personally do not want uh, 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 Kalen Balazs's 22 for uh, for 35. Yeah, but maybe this is a week where he goes into some sort of time warp and all of a sudden he's good. It's true. It's uh, This is the NFL. Anything can happen. So if you weren't going to use Brian Hill, but you were stuck and you entered the viewer contest where you smash the like button, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me your favorite sub 5,000 running back who's not Brian Hill. My answer would actually be Jordan Howard against the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's, it's not a bad, bad option because, you know, I, I don't think this game is going to be an absolute, you know, necessarily a blowout for New England. Um, if there are any goal line carries, it's going to be Jordan Howard there. 
you know, pretty much touchdowns in five of his last seven games, um, you know, always getting the goal line carries. So I'm not opposed to that option. Yeah, and then McKissick I'll probably have in there too. And that that's more or less if you want to get McCaffrey lineups in and you do want some savings at running back, these are the type of names that you can go to. And if Brian Hill is going to end up being pushing 20, 25, 30% ownership in some of these large contests, I just don't think that he's that good that you need to jump on the bandwagon like that. Put it this way, if Brian Hill was like 5% owned, I think that'd be a nice roll of the dice because you wouldn't need to have him in every single lineup. But at the ownership that he's projected to have right now, you probably do. Like if you play 10 lineups and you want to be overweight to the field on Brian Hill, you probably need like six or seven lineups with Brian Hill. And that's just too much for me. Would it be, it's too much for you, right? Oh, I'm seeing and assuming it's going to be 40 plus percent. You're going to see over 60% in cash. I mean, I think that's just the way that things are going to go. Uh, you know, people don't uh, dig in and, and dive in as much as they should. And they're just going to look at how Carolina defends the run and not really think it through and just sort of take what they built to be a free square uh at 3500 that's a whole different story but that's not the price i mean brian hill is almost 5000 where you can get tevin coleman for you know only a thousand more so uh for me at this ownership i'm with you i'm, I'm not on board for it yeah, you can just pay up for Joe Mixon in that spot or just pay down for, like I said, Jordan Howard or J.D. McKissick, probably equivalent options, potentially even higher upside, especially with Howard, because like you mentioned, he's going to get all of those goal line carries. Switch to receiver very quickly. Michael Thomas is the number one guy in a fantastic matchup against the Tampa Bay Bucks, but he's super pricey. He's $9,900. So I think you're going to see very few teams with McCaffrey and Michael Thomas on it. He is $1,800 more than DeAndre Hopkins. Do you in, do you think that the overall player pool of DraftKings players this week on the main slate, do you think that they're more comfortable paying up for McCaffrey or Michael Thomas? I think it's McCaffrey. Um, I think, you know, he's just a running back and receiver sort of all in one. Um, and, and I think that's just the way that people are going to go this week. I think it just makes a lot more sense. Uh, a 9,000 Michael Thomas, that's a whole different story. But at uh, nearly uh, 10,000, um, you know, it's going to keep his ownership somewhat down. I don't think you're going to see more than 10 to 15 percent on him simply because it's going to be really tough to, to fit him in lineups. Um, and obviously he's having a, a phenomenal season. Um, you know, he, he might even set the record for most, uh, you know, targets and receptions in the season. It's not out of the question at this point. Um, and the matchup is beautiful, too. I mean, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is an absolute sieve. Just the secondary is absolutely horrendous. Um, probably going to be a lot of Sean Murphy bunting in coverage there. Um, it, it's going to be, um, you know, um, you know, quite a great scenario for him this week. So do you think that you'll construct tournament lineups where Michael Thomas is your most expensive player, knowing that a lot of people will either pay down at running back to the Zeke Delvin Cook or just merely pay up for Christian McCaffrey, meaning that you cannot afford him? Or do you think you can construct some lineups where you go McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, and a bunch of scrubs? The, the latter I probably can't do or won't do. I'm going to have to make uh, you know tough decisions, but um, that's the beauty of this is there's so many guys in in these ranges, um, you know, guys I like it at, at different high price points that I'm not going to force it uh, in a three entry max scenario. Um, I do like the idea of, of playing a Drew Brees, Mike Thomas team, just because this could be, you know, the absolute ceiling spot for these two, especially coming off that embarrassing loss to the Falcons last week. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is horrendous as, as we mentioned, um, you know, one of the worst teams in the game against, uh, against the pass. I feel a really big uh, Brees bounce back spot. 
And I think Michael Thomas is going to be uh, going to be a, a really big part of that success. So for me, when I'm thinking about wide receiver, when we look at all the high-priced options, DeAndre Hopkins is $8,100. Amari Cooper is next on that list at Detroit. Julian Edelman, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Emmanuel Sanders, no word yet on whether he's going to play or not. And we'll discuss the San Francisco receivers here in a second. Maybe that can open up some value. Then you have Diggs and Thielen. Thielen, probably not going to play again. Galladay, Hilton, probably not going to play. Gallup, John Brown, DJ Chark, AJ Green, no word yet on whether he's playing or not. And then Cortland Sutton at $6,000. If you're going to start with receivers, I think I'm starting with Julio. Uh, The air yards have been there. The touchdowns have not been, but that's nothing new for Julio Jones. And if everyone is so enamored with Brian Hill in this game, call it a hunch, but doesn't this just reek of the Julio Jones three touchdown game? Yeah, I mean, um, I played him that week. I think it was three years ago. Uh, actually won a couple of big uh, GPPs that week. Julio, week three or week four, I believe. 200-plus uh, yards, a couple touchdowns. He had a 45-point uh, you know, outing, an absolute monster. This does sort of reek of that similar situation. The only difference being the ownership. You're not going to get Julio under 10% in this one. It's going to be a scenario where he is one of the most popular, uh, going to be one of the most popular receivers on the board. And that's because people aren't going to be able to or want to get up there to Michael Thomas. And um, the price difference is huge. It's it's staggering, actually, if you think about it. Uh, nearly um, you know 25% difference. 7,500 Julio is very tempting. I think you're going to see 20 plus percent ownership on him. Um, you know, he, he's crushed Carolina before, um, you know, they, they are beatable uh, through the air and it's Julio. He's truly matchup proof. If, if Ryan is locked in on him, he's catching his balls. Um, I don't think anything's going to stop. So of the plus $6,000 receivers, if you were constructing your teams, you know, you're going to pay up for at least one of the running backs, maybe two. And let's say you can afford one of these guys. Who do you think is going to be your core expensive receiver this week? Uh, uh, you know, for me, I think John Brown is somebody that I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in. He's just really, really consistent. Uh, he is the main target of Josh Allen. I think Miami keeps at being at home. I think Miami at least puts up some points to keep this game somewhat respectable and not end up being a complete and utter blowout. And he's due for a touchdown. I mean, he's only got two on the year. He hasn't scored since week seven. 6,400 for John Brown is a really good price for a guy that saw 11 targets last week. That's really fast, has matchups against uh, a secondary that is is immensely burnable. Um, So he's probably where I start the conversation. Um, And then Mike Evans, to be honest, 7,400. I think he's got a good matchup as well. Um, You know, Lattimore is a little dinged up. The rest of those corners are not all that hot. New Orleans, Tampa Bay can end up being shootout. It's one of the one of only three games with a 50 plus Vegas total. So uh, those two guys are very intrigued. What do you make of all these injured guys, whether it be Sanders, A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton? Let's say that last second, one of these guys becomes active. We know that's usually a recipe for super low ownership. Would any of those guys intrigue you as an option if they were active? You know, it, it really depends on the type of energy, injury. I think anything having to do with, you know, lower leg, uh, you know, lower body injuries, I'm always going to be a little wary of these guys. Um, you know, speedsters like T.Y. Hilton, uh, just, you know, it. the thing is, if they play, it obviously means that they feel that they're good enough and, and healthy enough to play. But like, you know, Hilton is doubtful at this point. Uh, he's usually when he's got a matchup at home and against Jacksonville, it ends up being a really good spot. But with him dealing with a calf injury, if I was to see that he was put into the lineup, 
I'd probably be a little wary. I'd probably start him in my season long teams, uh, but in DFS, I'd probably skip out. Uh, the only one we didn't really mention, I mean, we didn't mention a bunch of people from the very top end, but like Hopkins against Baltimore it could be a very soft spot as a sandwich pricing type guy. If everyone's going to use Julio or want to pay up to Michael Thomas, it could just leave Hopkins, Cooper, and especially Edelman with relatively zero ownership. Edelman against Philly, I find super intriguing, though, just because everyone kind of forgets that their past defense is absolute trash, but they still bring the heat on the quarterback, which could mean a lot of quick short passes, which is prime time for Edelman and prime time for Sanu, and maybe even James White, who we didn't really talk about uh, under the Patriots. I don't hate a Patriot stack this week. Yeah, uh, so in my weekly quarterback column, I wrote up Tom Brady. He's somebody that has not been getting a lot of love in uh, in the DFS circle this season. It's because, you know, he's just <clears throat> sort of game managing. And so um, this is a great scenario for Edelman. I do wish he was a little cheaper. I wish he was closer to, uh, you know, 69 7,000 somewhere around there but you're right uh, Philadelphia's uh, run defense is fantastic it's going to be tough uh, for them and I don't believe Bill Belichick's game plan is going to be like hey let's just run Sonny and Michelle down the middle and, and Rex Burkhead they're going to be passing like you mentioned it's going to be those those you know those short hops short passes to Edelman James White um, you know get some of their other guys uh, door sets of the, in the mix so uh, that's the way that they're going to attack this time. Edelman is, you know, could very well lead all receivers in receptions uh, this weekend. And he's consistent, man. I mean, he's putting up, you know, 17, 27, 14, 23. Every week, the man is putting up DraftKings points. Uh, last one in the $6,000 level at an even $6,000. It is Cortland Sutton against the Vikings, whose past defense has looked horrendous over the past month. No one really wants to go to him because they, you know, they don't love Brendan Allen and who does, but if the entire offense is going to be, I'm going to throw every pass at Cortland Sutton and then maybe mix it up with a few Noah fans in there too. Why not take that chance? Like, I can't imagine a lot of people are lining up. Like, you mentioned John Brown in that range. DJ Chark has been a popular name. It just feels like Cortland Sutton's going to fly underneath the radar. He absolutely is going to fly underneath the radar. And he's not somebody that I've used uh, very often this year. And obviously, that's been a mistake uh, to some degree. Uh, and he's not a name that is going to be very sexy. Uh, you know, people picking him off because nobody really loves to target uh, Minnesota's secondary. But Xavier Rhodes um, has not been good at all this year. And that's probably the guy that Sun's going to line up most with. Uh, you know, PFF grade of around 50. Um, actually, one of the bottom third um, cornerbacks in the league this year, just as far as how he's been graded out. And so Sutton's going to be peppered with, with a lot of targets. And uh, it's a good matchup. He's, he's on my list. He's on the short list. So for me, I think this $5,000 level of receiver is super intriguing, and it does open up a lot of opportunities in your lineup that you don't have to pay all the way down, but also you don't have to go all the way up. Uh, I always like, I mean, Cortland Sutton's one for me. I always like DJ Moore every single week, but yeah, he's a bit pricey. You can probably get away from him a little bit. People might go back to Zach Pascal, but then we start looking at these guys. Not sure if Will Fuller's going to play or not, but whatever. Scoring McLaurin against the Jets. $5,600. No one's going to use him because Haskins is playing quarterback, but I really don't care who's playing against this Jets defense. He is a big play guy. The air yards are there. He hasn't quite hit. He's had some really tough matchups over the past yeah. five weeks. This is not a tough matchup. I think that old Terry is going to get himself right in this game, and I want to be there to cash in on those points. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, if there was ever a game to Dwayne Haskins uh, for him to show that he is uh, potentially the quarterback of the future, this is it. 
Uh, Terry McLaurin is going to be his, his, you know, his main, his go-to guy here. The matchups couldn't get any tougher um, than what we've seen at Buffalo, at Minnesota, against the Niners um, in, in, you know, the constant sea change of quarterback. So it's been really tough for McLaurin to adjust, but we saw, you know, you know, I think we're all aware of his breakthrough speed. He's a good route runner. Um, he's very mature for a rookie and the price is fantastic. You know, we, we saw what he's capable of earlier this season. Um, you know, if, if, if Daniel Jones and Jamison Crowder can do it, um, or I'm, I'm not Jamison Crowder, um, you know, Darius Slayton, then anything could happen. You know, Terry McLaurin, uh, 5,600, a really good price going to go under 10% on this and he's a hundred dollars cheaper than Christian Kirk, who I assume a lot of people are going to funnel to coming off the huge week, or maybe they don't. Maybe they think that he kind of blew his load last week and he was going to be fine here against San Francisco uh, and not go back to him with a slight price adjustment on him on not up all that much because of the tougher matchup, but Jamison Crowder, who you actually kind of hit on is right there at Washington. He's been really good. And I know he's expensive, but he keeps finding his way into the end zone and Vlad, it's a revenge game. You gotta, you gotta yes. write that narrative in. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I think there's there's a time and place for revenge. I think sometimes people use it like, oh, this guy played against, you know, for this team four years ago. You know, that's not revenge. Um, you know, it really depends on the scenario. But yeah, I mean, he did play for the Redskins for, you know, for his career. They gave up on him. And, and here he is now with the Jets. He is a, uh, you know, the, the weekly, uh, you know, slot corner du jour. You can always pop him in. He's not going to score a touchdown every week, but he's probably going to see at least six targets every week um and against the jets uh, in this matchup uh, that has been serving up points to uh, to, to opposing s uh, slot receivers like hotcakes uh, it is a good matchup and because there's you know this is a game with a, a vegas total under 40 it's not going to be a game that many people are going to attack guys like with mclaurin and uh um you know, Jameson Crowder are going to fall under the radar. And, and if you think about it, you saw what happened last week with the Giants Jets game winning all the tournaments. Um, you could very well see it again here with the Redskins and the Jets, two teams with horrendous defenses that could give up a lot of fantasy points to the offense. Uh, anyone else in the 5K range do it for you, whether it be like Ridley, potentially Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd, who we hit on a couple times. Is Sanu the cheaper option to Julian Edelman here? I you I mean, and then we get into like the 4,000s with like Elshon, but that's a real tough matchup against the Patriots. But even Tyrell Williams, for that matter, who didn't score a touchdown last week, therefore he's no good anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Tyrell Williams is going to be very popular this week, at least as far as I see it. And that's because uh, of Cincinnati. Cincinnati's, uh, you know, bottom three against the run and the pass, which is hard to do. There are only a couple of teams um, you know, basically bottom five against the run of the past. Arizona is one of the other ones. Um, but Tyrell Williams is going to be somewhat chalky because of the price um, and because he's been pretty consistent. I mean, you know, scored a touchdown every week until his last two games. Uh, him and Carr are going to be a, a sexy pairing for people. I think some alternatives in this range include uh, Curtis Samuel really fast against a, a bottom three Atlanta secondary. They're actually ranked 31st in, in, against the uh, against the pass. Tyler Boyd's going to see a lot of volume, only 5,200. Uh, you know, the, this Raiders uh, unit in, in the secondary is arguably the worst in, in, in the game, and they're good against the run, so you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of passes. So Tyler Boyd is interesting. And finally, Calvin Ridley uh, in this game with so many people on Julio, you get a little bit of a savings. There's no Hooper. There's no Freeman. So it's going to be a lot of pass funnels to Julio and Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley is nice and cheap.
That that that's actually a really interesting idea too. Like you mentioned, if Julio is going to be super chalky at the very top, you want exposure to this passing game. I kind of like Russell Gage just because he's so cheap, but you probably don't need to go down that low. But he's going to man the seams where Austin Hooper is out. I doubt we're going to see a ton from Luke Stalker. But Ridley is super interesting here. That he'll probably end up with like four or five percent ownership unless people really go all in on the stack. I'm good with fading Tyrell Williams here. But again, now we've built a lineup where if you you know your first two receivers are McLaurin and Calvin Ridley you can do an awful lot with that team and not feel bad about it either yeah the that's the thing is this week it feels like you know as opposed to last week where things were very concentrated at least for me when I was making teams and builds it, it really made a lot of sense where to go this week there's just uh, so many options at all the positions I think it, it tough you can go any which way and yes I think that does involve potentially finding three guys who could be you know three of the top seven scoring receivers and, and finding them in the middle range so a lot of these guys that we're mentioning they could go you know five for a hundred with a touchdown very easily uh sub five thousand dollar levels just kind of giving it a quick peek Didi's back from injury do we do we just fire up some Didi you can always fire up a little Didi uh you know in it it, it's always a little worrisome because, you know, th- there's a lot of new things going on here. You've got Nick Foles back in the mix. Uh, you know, you've got the fact that uh, uh, DJ Shark and Chris Connolly are good. You've got Fournette probably getting a lot of the volume. So it, it, it's tough to say if he's healthy and he's back, um, you know, which would appears like he is. I think Didi is somebody that's, uh, you know, at least in the very, very least in the conversation. And then we have to start talking about Foles as well. Like, yes, he's going to be healthy. Of course, he's playing. But is he going to be any good in his first game back? I don't know. Of the low 4,000s, Auden Tate is the one that really stuck out to me. I could see myself not playing Boyd, but playing Tate if A.J. Green sits again. Yeah. In fact, Auden Tate's got um, one of the best matchups. Just as far as, you know, straight up against uh, opposing corners, probably going to be in the coverage of, um, you know, of Trayvon Mullen, who is, uh, you know, basically given up. I think almost two and a half yards per, per, per route created, giving up just a ton of fan, fantasy points to opposing receivers. Uh, Auden Tate's got the height and weight advantage on him by about 30 pounds, three inches. Um, so the matchup is good, and it, it's about time we get some Auden Tate back into our lives. So I can mention Russell Gage, $3,300. I prefer him over any of like the punt running back plays if you wanted to go down. And that's really a way to open up all of your salary if you want it. But is this a week to take a shot on Andy and Andy Isabella? The snaps are up. He's getting these opportunities. And with him, it legit takes one play for him to break the slate. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to, you know, Twitter's a funny place. But I, I was last night, uh, I just got distracted. So I couldn't finish, finish the tweet. But I was going to say, man, isn't it possible that Andy, Andy, Andy Isabella would be leading all wide receivers in fantasy scoring had he just played every game and got 70% of the snaps? Like, dude is, you know, and obviously I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek there, but He's a beast, man. Just let the guy play. Um, I actually popped him in some lineups last week, and, uh, hey, I got lucky. It worked out. At least got some points out of him. But let the man play. Free him. He's, um, you know, he, he's made for the for the league, for the NFL. I'm not worried about the fact that it's uh, San Francisco there. They've, they've hit a bunch of injuries. And so, um, you know, good spot. Let's play some Isabella. Uh, quarterbacks. Is there any particular games that we should think about stacking right off the hop? I'm looking at the over-unders right now when it comes to which games are probably going to be the most popular saints and Buccaneers. Uh, that's going to be a popular one as is Texans and Ravens. When you have Watson and Lamar, both in the same game, Falcons and Panthers, 49 and a half game total. 
with that. And then Bengals and Raiders. Raiders have the highest implied team total of the week, just below 30. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. I have to tell you the complete truth. Uh, they play to their opponent a lot, and they play to the score a lot, which might limit Derek Carr. I think just off the hop, I think I'm good with playing 0% Derek Carr this week. Yeah, um, it's uh, that's the other thing. Quarterback is absolutely loaded as as far as games that we can attack. I think, you know, there are three games that have Vegas totals over 50 that people are going to be going towards. Uh, The tough one is Houston Baltimore because, you know, it's not the ideal matchup for Deshaun Watson against this Baltimore defense on the road. Um, So and he's expensive. And the thing with Lamar Jackson Though the matchup is matchup is beautiful, it's fantastic. Houston secondary is a you know absolutely horrendous. Um, you know he's expensive. I mean he's really getting up there. If you're thinking about playing McCaffrey or Cooker Elliott and a Julio, um, you know, and this and that, it's going to be really tough to get there with uh, with Lamar Jackson. That leaves us with uh, you know obviously New Orleans and Tampa Bay, and then of course Atlanta, Carolina. You'll probably see some Matt Ryan love. Um, but I actually really like Kyle Allen. He's dirt cheap. He's right around a little over 5,000, if I'm not mistaken. And the matchup is perfect. And his targets are fantastic. You know, Greg Olson as a tight end, um, you know, against Atlanta, serving up fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And then Samuel and Moore, that combination is just phenomenal. So really like Kyle Allen as a sneaky, cheap guy for just 5,300. So if I'm going to go down low, I think I might use Jeff Driscoll. I think Jeff Driscoll in his rushing ability, if he starts against the Cowboys, I know the Cowboys are likely to put up points. You think it comes through Zeke. I can see that happening this week too. And maybe Dak gets limited a little bit that you don't have to have him, but just even watching him against the bears in the second half, he's basically in YOLO mode. He's like, I'm going to take off and run, or I'm just going to bomb it down the field to Kenny Galladay. And that is, I mean, you probably don't need to play him with Galladay. It probably makes a bit more sense to do so, but he's $4,600. Like if you actually wanted to play a McCaffrey, and Michael Thomas lineup, these are the type of guys that you need to look at. Yeah, that's really kind of the only way to do it. I mean, you know, when you start talking about guys under the 5,000 range and they're actually legitimate options, I mean, that becomes intriguing. There becomes a point where, you know, hey, does this guy have the capability of giving me 20 DraftKings points? If so, 4,600 is a great spot. It really, really opens things up for you. Pair him up with Galladay, you're in a good spot. Um, I just not am not sure of the upside. I think, you know, Dallas uh, comes in there and, and potentially stomps him. I think because he looked good last week, he's going to kind of, you know, run into a little bit of uh, not so good fortune against this Dallas defense this week. But we'll see. Can you see Jameis coming in under owned in this high total matchup just because people hate Jameis? I mean, he's going to come in under owned regardless. I think that's just because, uh, you know, you've, you've got. Jimmy Garoppolo against Arizona, Derek Carr against Cincinnati, Drew Brees, people are going to want to play. People are going to want to play Lamar Jackson um, and Kyle Allen. There's so many options. He's, you know, just by default is going to come in around 5%. Um, It's possible. It's possible we're in a good spot here. But what scares me, man, is those interceptions. He's, you know, almost guaranteed to throw at least one pick. He's also probably due for one of those down games. Like he's just been so decent and and dropping 20 plus DraftKings points each of the last four weeks. Um, and so, you know, it, it could be a disappointment spot. So myself, I might be actually fading James Winston. 
So I, I, I like the turnovers from Jameis. I always think that's the best thing that he does because he just puts himself into garbage time. The other team drops into prevent. He just starts piling up all the yardage. It's difficult to run on New Orleans. Tampa Bay can't run anyway, although they try to all the time. Uh, but I just feel like this is a spot where people will use Breeze, but they'll, they might even use Evans. They might even use Godwin or go back to O.J. Howard, but Jameis will not be the guy they go to. I can see myself with some Jameis. Josh Allen is, in, is intriguing because of the rushing touchdowns. I prefer him to like a Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think it might be Brady. Brady at $6,400. You could pair him with Sanu if you wanted to. You could pair him with Edelman or just play Brady and hope it's one of those games where, oh, Brandon Bolden has a receiving touchdown. Izzo has a receiving touchdown. And you get all the goods of Brady against a really terrible pass defense. And you get a touchdown and you get a touchdown. Yeah, it's absolutely potentially one of these uh, type of scenarios. Um, You know, Brady definitely pops up on the list. Um, He's in my article this week. Um, It just feels like the week for him. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a close matchup. I understand New England's coming off a bye, but um, I just don't see a lot of rushing touchdowns in this game. And I see absolutely at least 250 passing yards and three touchdowns um, through the air for Tom Brady this week. Uh, the other one, I mean, I mentioned Driscoll. If we're going to play crappy quarterbacks, Oakland has like the 30th ranked pass defense. Uh, Ryan Finley's not good, but he's another guy who's just going to run the ball. And if we expressed some love for Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate, why not Finley? Yeah, he's actually a preferred option for me, uh, him um, from Driscoll. And I understand he's a little bit more expensive, but it's just the way that this game flows out to be. It actually flows out perfectly for him. I think he's an absolute, um, you know, obvious GPP option, um, maybe not on your primary team. But if you think about it, you know, Oakland at home, um, you know, run Josh Jacobs down their throats, being able to do whatever they want to him. And then Finley having to just, you know, pass to mix and pass to Boyd, you know, air it out to Auden Tate. You're going to see a lot of this type of uh, a lot of stuff like this. And so it's a potential 300 plus yards. You get the bonus, get a couple of passing touchdowns and get that whole fourth quarter of garbage time. So I'm on board for some Finley this week. All right, let's switch to tight end. And is this going to be a week where you think you pay up? Because there's not a whole lot of options. You have Kittle at the very top. He's 7,000, but he might not play. Uh, Austin Hooper is 5,600. He's not going to play. So you have Mark Andrews. He's 6,100. Then you have Darren Waller, who's 55. And then Ertz against the Patriots at 5,000. Andrews Andrews is my I was gonna say Andrews is my preferred guy but 6100 is just a lot to pay up in a week where there is a lot of expensive options at other positions yeah it feels to me like the 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 better spot at least for Baltimore is going to be with um you know the perimeter options guys like um you know Hollywood Brown Marquise Brown uh maybe even some Miles Boykin this week I mean obviously Andrews is his, his main target he's his safety valve and so um, it just comes down to price this week. You know, like, like Kittle isn't 100%. I understand he gets to Arizona, uh, but at 7,000, it really kind of hamstrings you from be able to, being able to have roster flexibility elsewhere. And that's the same thing with Mark Andrews. So I think just by that, you're going to see a lot of people on Darren Waller at 5,500. Um, and then possibly some uh, some folks on Jared Cook as well. 4,400 coming off the game with four catches. Uh, you know, it, it could be interesting. Tampa Bay gives up a third amount, uh, most amount of, fantasy points to tight ends uh so i think you might see some people go in that direction yeah but jerry cook sucks so you don't want to do that yes it's it's, it's very possible 
Yeah, I mean, he's in a good spot. That means he scores zero points. <laughs> That's how Jared Cook rolls. So Mark yeah. Andrews from the top for me. Uh, Jack Doyle is now priced up a bit at 4000 So I think that Noah Fant at $3,700 and Eric Ebron at $3,600. Now, this is with no T.Y. Hilton around. We already know that Paris Campbell is going to miss time. But, I mean, Ebron was this close to a really huge game last week, but he didn't get it. Now people aren't going to use him. But it's still a really nice opportunity against the Jags. Yeah, I mean, people are dropping Eric Ebron in my high stakes leagues. I'm about to go pick him up. I understand the guy's playing like, what, 2% of snaps or so it seems. Um, and he did have double-digit touchdowns last year, let all tight ends um, you know, in, in that category. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like a week where you can get Eric Ebron in the mix. Um, you know, so, so I think that is in play. Noah Fant, of course, because Denver just doesn't have a lot of guys to pass to. Um, I've got a sneaky one for you. This guy hasn't been really on the radar since week one. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, um, Dallas is actually, that's their one weakness is against tight ends. They're giving up the second most amount of fantasy points, drafting points to tight ends. Uh, I think the way the game script works out is that you see Hawkinson in the mix a little bit. So that's my my little sneaky uh, uh, addition of the week in the tight end spot. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is amongst tight ends, one of the leaders in end zone targets so far this year. He just happens to drop most of them or suffer a concussion halfway through the game. But I think like a two touchdown game is definitely in the cards. I mean, you just pair him up with Driscoll, you'll be good to go. That's it. Take all the money. (laughs) So the other guys, if Kittle sits and you have Ross Dwelly at $3,400, I just think he'll morph into a really popular option solely because he's playing the Cardinals. It's absolutely possible. I mean, uh, you know, we saw it last week in the absence of Kittle. The guy saw seven targets. He did not do much with them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it can just be, you know, a, a nice spot. I mean, anytime you've got uh, Arizona on the board. I mean, listen, it brought O.J. Howard back to life, right? So um, it, anything is possible. Ross Duelli is in play. Um, and, I mean, what about Tyler Eifert, 3,200? No, um, absolutely not. I was going to say, you may not invite me back on the show uh, after this, but Oakland, I don't know. No, can't do that. I'd rather use Ryan Griffin at $2,900 now that Herndon's on IR. Fair, fair. Um, And I can't think of anyone below that. So, And I don't even know if I want to get down to $2,900 to use Ryan Griffin. I think I'm pretty good with all kind of assess Dwelly as the week goes along and see where the sentiment is on him. If you want to use fanshare to track a lot of these ownerships in the sentiment rankings, if you use the code PME, you get yourself a discount and you can follow along all week. I'll have the ownership report on Friday show as well, but Eric Ebron, $3,600. It feels that's low enough. 3,600 is fine, right? Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, you're not going to see a lower price on him all year. Um, and with no T.Y. Hilton, it kind of just makes things, um, you know, more even more intriguing. You know, it's been Jack Doyle week, last couple of weeks. It's time for some Ebron, time to switch things up. Yeah, even last week with no Campbell and no Hilton and Brian Hoyer under center, Ebron played 61% of the snaps, Jack Doyle mm-hmm. 60%, and Mo Alicox only played 31%. So he's going to be on the field more than half the time. We know that he's always on the field in the red zone. Big fan of running short of the first down sticks as well. So maybe he can get two catches instead of one because he doesn't know where the first down marker is. Who knows? But if he can get one of those touchdowns, and I think a lot of people will be off of him and onto Jack Doyle. So let's wrap this up. Let's talk about some defenses. Who sticks out to you right away? I don't really ever care about defensive price. Just who are the ones who are going to generate the most pressure on the opposing quarterback and just kind of go for it here? Who do you like? 
Um, you know, I think at the top, you're going you're to see a lot of people, if they can, pay up for the Niners, pay up for the Bills in the matchup in Miami. I kind of like some options in the mid-range. I think, uh, you know, the, the Minnesota Vikings at home against Denver. Uh, Brandon Allen just making his third career start. I think they're a very good option. And I think the Raiders are really underrated. I think, um, you know, them at home um, have an opportunity to keep these Bengals below 10 points. I mean, this team is just kind of humming on, on all levels. I think, um, you know, they deserve some love. Um, but where most people are going to go is probably uh, Carolina or Baltimore at home. Um, you know, 3,000 for both places. Uh, you know that Baltimore is going to generate a lot of pressure, probably sack uh, Watson a couple of times, um, though the game does have a, a high total. So you may not see a lot of people there. But I think those are two teams that might uh, people might be using this week. So the ones that I'm kind of gravitating towards here. I kind of like the Redskins at $2,800. Still, the one thing they can, they can do is generate pressure on the quarterback, and the Jets have the worst offensive line in football. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a game that you're going to see ownership on Washington. You'll see some ownership on the Jets as well on their defense because well, it was like a 37.5 total. Um, you know, there is going to be, um, you know, some soft, sloppy play from these quarterbacks. There are going to be some turnovers. Washington's defensive line has enough, you know, a little bit of umph there to, uh, you know, to make it rain just a little bit, maybe get lucky and run into, uh, you know, a pick six. So we'll see, you know, like I'm kind of erring on the side of I'm hoping this game shoots out because I want to play some of these uh, in a game stack um, as low owned, uh, but definitely not opposed to using the defense there. Uh, the only one I was also considering, and this might be a bad situation because Minnesota might run the entire time if I was going super cheap, Broncos D has been getting better every single week, and they're starting to generate pressure again, and we know that their pass defense is really good. It's just, can they keep up on the scoreboard to make Minnesota pass 30 times in this game? I'm not sure they can do that. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, at least the way I see it this week. I don't see that being a very likely scenario. Um, I understand the price point is really tempting at 2,400, but uh, for the most part, I'm just seeing this as a, you know, situation where, um, you know, hey, unless uh, Elway comes in there himself and is going to be the quarterback, I don't really see any way that they uh, keep up with Minnesota on the road. So the ones for me, I guess I like the Saints uh, at $2,900. I'm just kind of stunned that they're as cheap as they are, Um, you know, Great pressure. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Cam Jordan. But if they can get their full complement back, Tampa Bay's offensive line is not very good. We know that Jameis turns the ball over at will, and they've given up 34 sacks so far this season. It's the worst teams on this slate uh, at giving up sacks. The Jets, the Dolphins, the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Bengals, and the Vikings. Also Carolina into that mix, too. I'm kind of surprised to see them so far down. So I guess the Saints would be my preferred play, and I think that they're the best option for their price point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's shocking to see them under 3,000. Uh, you know, even if the Bucks put up a little bit of point at some points, you know that New Orleans is going to get theirs as well. I'd like to see a healthy Lattimore uh, in the mix, but um, you're going to see them pretty popular, probably top four owned um, on the weekend. All right. Vlad, thank you for being on the show today. You can follow Vlad on Twitter at RotoGut and tell everyone where they can check out all your work. Uh, I uh, Yeah, uh, that's where I'm at on Twitter. And uh, for Elite Fantasy, for the DFS stuff, is the spot, EliteFantasy.com. And on the season-long, FantasyGuru.com. Um, thank you so much, Pat, for having me. Always a pleasure.
All right, you can follow me at the PME on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebooks. You can find my DK Cheat Sheet out on Saturday morning or Friday evening, depending on if I go drinking or not. But you can find that on DKPlaybook.com. I wait until then before I get the ownerships and make some finalized decisions on that as well. If you have questions about DraftKings, tune into the Sunday morning show, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Besides that, playing the Pat Mayo Experience Open, enter all the draws, and watch all of the shows during the week. All right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!